Hey everybody, this is Christian Cheney, and you're listening to NDZ Live. listening to New Dog Magazine. Hello and welcome to another NDZ Live. It is a New Dogma audio situation. This is Andrew. I am here with Grant and Mitch. How y'all doing? Hi. I'm also here with Kyle. I return after a I, I return. It's been well, nice. It's been what? About a, about a month? Uh, it's, been been two, <laughs> it's been two months? Yeah. It's been a while. Is this so is this I don't think he's. I don't think he's been on one of these shows since we stopped being at Midtown, right? Yeah. No, I was at uh, Rubinia with Steven and. That's right. That's right. That might have been the last. That's time. The last that, one. that wasn't our last time. Is with this Steven and is, is this is a, this is the silver anniversary, isn't it? Twenty five. This is number twenty five. Yeah. Wow. Episode twenty five. Yeah, I mean we'd done other shows, but this is the twenty fifth episode of NDZ Live. Yeah. So. So our shows with a guest outside of Eric Leonard, yeah. So speaking that like this, since this is the silver anniversary, we brought on the silver fox. That is right, <laughs> John John, Pas- John Pascarella. John J P the Shepherd Pascarella. <laughs> Guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be back. And yeah, apparently, a, you probably haven't been here since the last time I was here. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah. good to have you it's back. Been a while. And the last time you were with us, we were at Midtown Pub too. Yeah. yeah, right. And you brought your wife with you. I did. And, so, and we were there for three hours. That's great. <laughs> it was. I had, a, I had a blast. It was a good. Time. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great. It was a great, we, we enjoyed, was a great episode. Actually, enjoy the conversation. Yeah, that's it was really good. That's great. Uh, Kyle. Yeah. Let's get right into it. The Henny stays home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I can glue the base now, finally, so I don't have to worry about shipping it. <laughs> <laughs> I was hesitant to do it at first. I was like, well, just in case, then I got to take it apart, ship it back. I can glue it now. As a reminder, how much typically is the shipping to get that thing out there? <sighs> Fucking a lot. Just, it's not necessarily the cost of the shipping. It's just the work, because you have to get either a box big enough and then get packaging, like, bubble wrap, bubble wrap. to do it, or you have to, like, get an envelope. And that's where you take off the base. If you get a big enough envelope, you can take that out, take the base off, and ship it. And it's already pre-packaged. It already like, has the bubble like wrap one of those, Like one of those bubble mailers? Yeah. Yeah. Like It's God. a gamble. <laughs> You're telling me. Yeah. Do you remember like how much you paid for it the last time? Was it more than $40? No. So not more than an actual bottle of Hennessy. No, right? but the problem was... The- <laughs> exactly. You saw where I was going yeah. with that. Go, go yeah. get yourself a new yeah. bottle each time. <laughs> we'll help you empty it. I mean, I don't need help empty it, but... <laughs> and and I'll ask, JP, I'll ask that question. So, you know, what was the reaction from the boys after the game? Listen, it, it's... The Henny has some significance to us, but we really... And I don't say this disrespectfully. We look well beyond that in yeah. terms of... It, yeah. it, it's a long season and project. Yeah. And every three points that you can get, especially three points on the road. Right. Right. In Richmond, of all places. Yeah. In Richmond, where they had a great crowd again. 
tough place to play, not the same surface we're used to playing on at home. A great surface, but not yeah. what we're used to mm-hmm. week in and week out. So it's never an easy game. Right. And that was the it team was on, huge. And that was the team on the playoff line as well. Correct. You know, correct. And it puts it puts more space between us and them. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I mean, we actually played pretty well out at in Richmond. The last this what, is the third straight win in Richmond. Right. And then before that, it was like I think it started when we went out um, in t- for the eruption tour, where we yeah. tied. We tied that. We tied with them when. We we had tank up front just banging in goals. And that's the yeah. only, that's the only draw we've ever had against them. Every yeah. single game against them, with the exception of that game, was a one goal victory. Did you in go out for that side. one? Where did you, did you go out for that one? Or no, I went out for the for our first the, game this year. Okay, yeah. but did you go out for the one in twenty twenty one? No, that was my first. This year was yeah. my first time out in Richmond. Okay, hmm. you mentioned the game. Last year, where we drew, no, we won one nil. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that one was really against the run of play. Yeah. They were the oh, better team on the night. Was. We're Sorry. watching the hospital. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was at the Justin Suko goal, right? Yes, yeah, off correct. of like the defense like uh could be argued an old goal like three people. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and they and ironically he's there now with yeah. with them. Yeah. Um and we've stolen their Steven Payne. Yeah. It's fair, right. I think we got the better side of that trade. Yes, we did. Both great kids. Steven yeah. Steven fits the way we want to play maybe yeah. a little bit better. Yeah, and, and we love Justin too. You yeah. know, it, but it was yeah. He's still he's still top 10 in appearances made for this team. Suko is? Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah, I, I can see that. I think he's I think he's tied for 6th. Yeah. Stats man. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with those guys too after the game. Yeah, I was going to ask. I'm like, how was Justin doing? Yeah, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's doing really well. And it's there's a couple guys on that team and people that I know, like Darren Zawatsky, their head coach, I've known for years back when he was a player. Yeah, Omar Gordon, um, who did not play in this game, didn't dress for this game, was injured. Uh, was a guy that I had uh, with me in Oklahoma City. So it's always nice to bump into those guys. And, yeah, and and see them and talk to them again. The guy that scored the goal, Dakota Barnathan, I knew back when he was playing at VCU. Uh, and we're scouting him, so we knew each other from back then. It was good to catch up with all those guys. Let me ask you a question about Dakota Barnathan. If you would have signed him, would you have made him change his name? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have. Uh, no, I was wondering where I was going to go. <laughs> That's about where I thought I was going to go. <laughs> never really thought about that. Um, but I did like him as a player, and I think mm. he's a player that's versatile. He can play in yeah. the back. He can play in midfield yeah. as a holding midfield. He could even play outside back, probably. Yeah. Um, Pers- personally, this is the, the whitest name. It's yeah. per- personally, personally, I'm against people naming their kids after directional states. Dakota, Carolina, Virginia. Just not not my thing, man. He's a good not. player, though. Good player, well, though. Oh, yeah. Well, he, Hello, he and welcome there. to my sons, Wisconsin and Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the only state that you can, the only states you can really get away with are Mary from Maryland, yeah. Georgia, and Hampshire. Yeah, Hampshire, Hampshire. That I've never. Have heard you someone. ever met somebody with a fir, uh, first name of Hampshire? No, but it'd be. It'd I'd be, at it'd least be, be more okay name. with Dakota Although, than no, Hampshire. Yeah, no, I mean like, but I've met lots of people, I and mean, we know someone named Arizona, and that's yeah. that's usually one you can get away with too. I don't think I've ever seen an Arizona. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think the yeah. two super the cool. two coasts. The, the Hampshire yeah. was a joke, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Unfortunately, went over everyone's head here. <laughs> I was like Hampshire. I'm like I was getting worried. He's giving yeah. us a line here. I'm like yeah. I'm like Mitch is being Mitch here. Yeah. So Jersey what? and Cali would work. Yeah, that Jer- is fair. I actually yeah. like I actually I when I lived out on the East Coast, I actually went on a few dates with a girl named Jersey. She was great. Uh, I'll bet. She was great. I bet she was. Yeah, she was great. I did a girl named Cali. So there you go. I didn't do that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> 
One other thing I want to... A couple of things. So, I thought Sam Brotherton probably played oh, his dude. best shift in a yeah. Ford Madison shirt. He yep. doesn't get a whole lot of minutes, but, like, he's had some other games where... Yeah. Had some bad mistakes. And, uh, t- I thought he acquitted himself yeah. quite well in this game. There was there was probably only one time that I noticed. It was, like, the one ball that he kind of misread. It was a, g- a great ball with speed, though. Yeah. And it just found Terzaghi's foot and... Baron made the save anyways. Yeah. So, but Second half. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking I'm not, about. I know exactly yeah. the action and you're so, talking about. Yeah, I, th- I thought he kind of like read it a little bit wrong. Um, but other than that, he was rock solid. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely rock solid. Yeah. I mean, which, as you said, like, for not playing a lot of minutes and knowing that, like, you know, just kind of getting put in there for Mitch, that's a big space to fill. Yeah. And he did a great job. And I think, it's, job. I think it's great that Mitch got some time off here and we were still yeah. able to pull off a win despite that. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Uh, Neil wore the requisite uh, tall T version of a polo shirt. Yep. Uh, yeah. Does he not know how to tuck his shirt in? That's just my. That's a question. You should talk to Timmy about that. Mm. I, listen, um, I don't like tucking my shirts in either. So no. well, nobody but, does. No, but your yeah. shirt isn't just long enough where it's like you, you should probably just tuck that in. That's the, yeah. that, that's the thing. Is like there's certain lengths with shirts where it's like okay, you can tuck this in. He needs yeah. he needs one or of them untuck it. You can you can like let this hang. I thought for a second and that was, was like, one where I'm like, dude. You yeah, yeah, I thought yeah, maybe for a second, like, a nice just belt? borrow... With a nice belt? I mean, you know... Maybe he borrowed one of Matt's shirts. I thought about that for a second, but then I was like... <laughs> Matt's got a little... Fully, em- fully, em- fully embracing, like, yeah. the role. Yeah. You know, it's like... But it wore a little mid-length... Yeah, uh, grew out like, like, his, like, facial hair for, yeah. like, three weeks to get where he's at yeah, right he's now. Yeah, meth- he's, he's, he's a method coach, that's what I hear. Yeah. I can yeah. I can assure you. Number one, it wasn't Matt's shirt. <laughs> number two, I can also assure you that he doesn't give a fuck about the way he looks. No. But why oh, I yeah. love him is because he cares about whether we win or not, oh, yeah. and that's what matters. So he, and, I don't think he gave two thoughts to what we he was wearing, which is why we're giving him shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, yeah, and we love Neil too. Um, we do. He's just not required to dress formally on a lot of occasions. And you know you see that when it's like the customers are around at work. But we've like, seen him dress formally; he looks nice. Like we've seen him with Kristen; and he looks great. Well, like do you think stuff. that he dresses himself? No, no, I already know the answer to that question. He's yeah. just like me; his better half dresses him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honey, how do I look before I walk out the door? Yeah. That's the most important question. Okay, yep. thank you very that much. Is, much. That is <laughs> a, no, no. a crucial question. <laughs> well, we went and saw Emma and I went and saw Six last weekend, and I was like, okay, what are you wearing? She's like, I'm wearing this dress. So like, okay, but what do I need to wear? Because I don't. You can wear yeah. this dress for a casual setting. You can wear this for yeah. a nice setting. I don't know where the hell I am. In this in this line, you at least got to match the level, and that's right? that's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Hey, you, yeah. you can't go past the level where the lady's at. No, I wasn't going to. Like, that that like, was that's that, that was easy. I didn't, smart move. I mean, that's just that's just a territory mm-hmm. to go into, yeah. and I've learned that the hard way. And Did so, you say you saw six? Yes. So that's the the Henry the Eighth. Yeah, the wives. All his wives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that stage show. It was good. All right, we'll yeah. talk about it later. Yeah. All right. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we. Gotta talk about the Timmy Val handball. <laughs> what? What happened with that? <laughs> the the handball. It, it's call. still the funniest fucking shit I've seen. Like I don't know what he like. Like, did so you watch tape back of I, that already? I did. We did. We've already presented video. We 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 closed out some of the video of Richmond today. We actually did some yeah. prep for Chattanooga today as well. So, um, and what? we had, the staff had watched it almost immediately later that night. 
I haven't spoken to Timmy about it. Yeah. It looks as though when he got mixed up with, I can't even remember who it was now that he, he was in a, a little tussle with. Yeah. yeah. They may have gotten a piece of his jersey, which pulled him a little bit forward. Back. Is he and saying like foul? I don't think he's saying foul. I think he's literally kind of trying to regain his balance and doesn't really know where his arm is. Mm. Now, I didn't ask him that. And I want to ask him that because when you look at it, it almost looks deliberate. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm going to block the path of this so he can't see it coming. I just don't see it's, that going through his head there's, in that instance when... Which is what I thought. It, just, it, yeah. it doesn't... Just like, yeah, I think, I, think he was, I think he was pulled off balance. Yeah. And so now you're trying to regain your balance. Yeah. Your mm. arms end up because in a, it, in a funky because position. It, it just looks so out of place. There's no shot it's deliberate. Right, exactly. Right? Because, right. because there's yeah. no one behind him. There's no one behind him at all. Well, no, I went with this thinking, of course this is going to happen because it has to be a one-goal lead for it to be a handy It can't be a two-goal win. I can't do that. I kind of thought the same thing. We're more comfortable with the one-goal lead. (laughs) We don't want the two-goal. So I saw that. I was like, two-goal lead is the most dangerous lead in sports. That would fucking happen. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Yeah. Just ask Northern Colorado. That. Ask Northern Colorado how a two-goal lead. Three. Goes. Yeah, I was going to say, they blew a 3-1 lead. What a finish to that yeah. game. What a really good game. We watched that when we got back to the hotel after yeah. our game. It was wild. It was yeah, it was good. Good. They're scuffling yeah. a bit. Yeah. Who doesn't like a good scuffle in a match? That's true. I'm trying I to mean, think of all the scuffles we've had. It's like, I, I think like a League Cup final in England, like it's almost our requirement. But it's rare to see it in a USL one match. Yeah. So did you yeah. see, but did you see the be... Monterey versus Portland game the other day in the League Cup M- yeah. MLS League Cup? It was great. Ended benches clearing. Oh man, people losing their shit. It was awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. That's good yeah. stuff. Did I you love ever that. feel did... alive when you when you're involved not, in that? Not <laughs> when's my, the last time you were in not a my favorite match? fight video of the weekend in a match? <laughs> yeah, during a match. Um, ironically, <laughs> was. Against Portland, I think, was the last one. This was Portland under Caleb Porter. I was working at Kansas City for Peter, so it goes back a mm. few years. Um, but all the coaches kind of ended up in a in a position where we were all was kind of grabbing each other. Peter Hermes looks like he could take a punch. He can. Yeah. What, was, yeah. I've known Pete it, for a long time. And he is, can and take is, one, he can throw one. And is, is Caleb Porter as much of a douche as I think he is? That's what most people will tell you. Even a lot of the coaches in the in the league that have competed against him, I, I mm. like Caleb. I like his I like his grittiness. Yeah. I like his combativeness. Um, yeah. I think it rubs off on his teams. You need that. You and, need that. and and I I I don't have a problem with it. It's yeah. it's very Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't mind it. Um, a lot of people think he comes off as arrogant. I think he's bright he's successful he yeah. knows he's good so if that comes off as arrogant it comes yeah, off as arrogant but yeah. i like him I, yeah. to be honest with you i like him yeah you do. I like that. yeah he's coaching a high school kids team right now just for fun in ohio yeah nice yeah he was one that was surprised the, the the consider for the u.s job yeah I think he might it, once he's back in the league again. I think he'll and he will get back in the league. I yeah. think. Oh um, yeah. I think he's somebody that they would consider down the road if he has success again the next time he's in because he's been pretty good everywhere he's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, another question for for the group here. <clears throat> uh, so, Zemo tied Don Smart's goal tally over the weekend. He did. He's now at ten. Yep. So that's all time scoring record at the club. Correct. Derek's at nine. Cheney's at seven. Who beats Don's record first? Zemo. Zemo. You think so? He's, the way he's been playing recently, because yeah. it took him a while. It took him a while to get that to to get his first goal of the season, but that was less than a month ago, I think. 
So he scored three goals in the last month. He's he's rolling, and yeah. I I think that he scores sometime this month to pass. And I think it would take a Herculean effort mm. from Cheney and a pretty strong effort from Derek as well to get to get there first. I don't I don't see either of them beating Zemo there. But did you say Zemo's on nine and Derek's on He's nine? At, no, Zemo's at ten. Zemo's hit, at ten. Yeah, he hit ten games. So, so Zemo's tied so, with so the record nine, right now. Yeah. So Zemo Zemo has nine league goals and one open cup goal. Gotcha. Derek has nine league goals, no open open cup, and Cheney's at seven. I can see Derek. I can see Derek sneaking in and kind of. I can see him kind of sneaking it's, in. It's, and it's, I think it's possible. I think that it's. I, think I mean, that that's fair. Yeah. To lose. I feel like all three of them. It wouldn't surprise me if either of them beat it in the next month. But I think I, I'll that's say Derek funny. gets there first. That's the thing too. It's like Chain's one of those guys too. Like he could just. It would be really could, like like Chain could have a couple like two three games. It'd be magic moments. Two, be two really three games f- where he scores like six goals in like three games. It'd right. be really yeah. funny I mean, if he had a poker this next game against Chattanooga and, and just took it for himself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think or kicked one off a guy's face like he did down there last year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be that'd be, that'd be cool too. So. I think it would be kind of cool. To, I, I think it would be either way. Any of those guys would be great. Mm-hmm. Zemo or Derek getting there first, I think, would be cool just because of the amount of games they played for the club. Um, I think it's honestly it's a great problem to have, right? Great oh, yeah. like decision to have to make. Like no matter who gets it, it benefits everyone. Um, and if you're an opposing team, who do you cover? I just well, that's what I was gonna say. All three of them being on form. Eight. Yep. Good luck trying to pick which one to watch, and that's not including someone like Morrow. That's not including Jaden. That's not including you know anyone else that comes off the bench. That's an attacking threat. Speaking of Morrow, okay, so not to be completely non sequitur, but somebody asked me uh, yesterday actually, like what what do the coaches see Morrow Sichero's role as? Because he, he, he looks like when they show him in, in... And I know that the starting 11 formations are not accurate. Um, I think Neil takes great joy in the fact that they are absolutely not accurate at all. Uh, but He's just a wind-up. Dude, dude we, got, <laughs> yeah, like, we got one a couple weeks ago that had Derek listed as D and Steven at mid. And I was just yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. like, like I'm yelling at Evan, like, there's no way this is right. He's like, that's what we got. Yeah, Jesus just, just publish it, print it. Uh, but w- like, without giving too much away, what are the qualities that Morrow brings to the table that you, the coaching staff, looks to employ him for? That's a great question, actually. Um, mo- all of our players have different qualities. Mm-hmm. Every player, regardless of they're ours or someone else's, have different qualities. Right. The one thing that Morrow has that is different than everybody else on our team, different than most of the guys on our team, is his spatial awareness. His movement, his understanding of movement and where to go and how to play off of other yeah. players yeah. is probably the best on our team. Yeah. So if Jaden makes one type of movement, he'll make a counter movement to that, exploits that space. Mm-hmm. And that's where he's very good. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've played him in multiple different roles this year. And you saw that, I think, on Zemo's goal, where that spatial awareness to where he saw that ball come in, and he could have headed that ball, but he also saw Zemo making a run and who was free, and he let it go, and he let it just drop right, and it, and it, that was enough to like pull the defender like off of Zemo and give Zemo a, a full 
open run right exactly and he yeah. essentially picked yeah. their defender oh, as it drops yeah. over his head and into the path of, of Zemo for the goal so yeah. it, like I said great question and what he does so well is that he has the ability to move off of other people so that he can help us create yeah. chances and space and time right. on the ball and that's a little bit underappreciated absolutely I don't I don't think a lot of people see that know no. it understand it but that's what the coaches see and in his ability I think that that was something that you were alluding to in our conversation uh, today where you were saying that like I think because we live in a fantasy driven sports world with, yeah. with like stats and everything where stats are important and this is not to take away anything from our stats guy over here but you lose kind of like the the things about like the intangibles of the game that like are the are unspoken that like don't show up on a stat sheet. Yeah, wheels is that type of player. Absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, there is a reason they say that stats are for people who don't know the game. Yeah, but you know the game. I know it better. Yeah, <laughs> better than I did. <laughs> Another perfect <laughs> fair. <laughs> fair. Fair. Another perfect example of that is what Jaden gives to us oh, as a player. Yeah. Because if you look at it statistically in terms of numbers of assists or goals, mm -hmm. you don't really then understand from those sheer numbers what his value is to the team. Right. But right. if you watch game after game after game, you see how he helps create situations that puts under other teams under duress. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that was something that especially, like, I would say, the midpoint of the season where you can tell where, like, if he was not on the ball, the team was less effective. And it was like teams were pinpointing him exactly because he was kind of that link between the midfield and attack where it's kind of like, okay, if you shut Jaden Oden down, now you're forcing him to go wide, which they could still do, you know, give the ball to Steven, give the ball to um, Derek, and they could still make something out of it, but you take out the whole middle. Yeah, and that's what I love about our team. You, you take players like that where their work goes a little bit unnoticed, yet they're comfortable with it. Yeah. They're okay with that. Cello's another perfect example. Oh, he was so good on Saturday. He, I mean, he, and people don't realize, again, you don't, you don't see it in the numbers. Yeah. yeah. But if you understand the game, you recognize how he's the hub of everything that happens for yeah. us yeah. in the attack yeah. and how he acts yeah. as a pivot for us. Yeah. Other teams have figured it out. Yeah. So you see them on if our build yeah. They they mark him. They yeah. but then by taking him away, it oftentimes leaves something else open, and Correct. now it's our job to solve that problem Correct. and figure out right. where those a are. Lot, a lot of times you get you get openings along the wings in that case. Correct. Right? Or you get yep. Aiden open or whoever else. Correct. Correct. And that's why he's so good. But like I said, that's that's what our team has bought into. That's why I believe that we're quite a good team this year. Right. It's not because we have a bunch of superstar players. It's that we have players that have bought into a way of playing and an ethos and a way of living understanding that it's about the group and on any given night the guys doing this dirty work yeah. are helping the group win games right. and then yep. right. you might notice the Derek's one night because he scores a goal or Morrow yeah. another night because he scores and he creates something or, but it's all of these guys every right. night putting putting that work in and we've had pretty consistent performances win, lose, or draw this year yep. Spe and speaking of, of Derek you just mentioned him I just want to say like his turn on Saturday night yeah yeah. That is, that is, the term is some chef's, yeah. chef's kiss. I think I think that's the second, Absolute chef's kiss. second nicest move I've seen him make in a forward jersey. The oh. first one is the I think his first one he scored. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. I was thinking Noco. That you like that? See, that's the that's yeah, a good one too. The the one the one where I'm with you though. The Fort Lauderdale one with like where he did his oh, first touch on the inside oh, of his and foot and curled it with the left. That is good oh, too. Oh man. 
Yeah, that one's a good one, too. I mean, it, again, a good problem to have trying to decide between <laughs> magic moments. What's Derek Gebhardt's most impressive player? And we're not, we're, not even, we're not even talking about his first home game where he scored against North Carolina. And, and, and we first tore, game and back we tore on the wall. Yeah. yeah. Not even talking about that one. Yeah. Or his assist. Yeah. For Cheney this year at Omaha, a season opener. Yep. Yeah, that's And so I guess bringing you on, John, I guess what I'll ask is, what are your overall thoughts on the season so far? It's been much improved from last year. Yeah. You know, when we look at where we came from, we inherited much of last year's team and yeah. then had to build around that. Right. And that's normal. There was nothing wrong with it. It was just, it's what happens when staffs change and teams change over. And, yeah. and you know, it, it was the beginning of a new era here. And so we established that most of that group didn't see the game and didn't see living together as a group the same way we did. Mm -hmm. So it was time to move on from a lot of them and we managed to keep four that we knew believed in that and truly bought into that. And we needed them to help disseminate that information and that way of living and playing as a group together. And that was, that's what was most impressive to me this year so far is how that group of four has taken what we do and how we like to do it, and they've managed to express that to everyone else within the group. The other thing that's been really interesting is the group has taken it on board. We recruited this year with the idea of recruiting character, yeah. recruiting grit, recruiting people that had not a fixed mindset, but an open mindset and a growth mindset so that we could try to impart some ideas because everybody comes to the game everybody comes to a new team with their idea of how the game should be played right but uh, now yeah. you've got to meld 20 22 25 guys together to play in a certain way and that's not an easy thing to do no. especially when you consider the fact that most yeah. athletes at this level get there because they have very strong opinions and attitudes and one of their strongest assets is their ego. Yeah. So you try to bring them into the fold. The four guys from last year have helped us do that really well. The players that we have recruited have taken that on board really well. Excellent. And that's been a big part of our Excellent. success so far this year. Okay. But I say that knowing that that's only been a success up until now. If we don't make the playoffs, if we don't make a run in the playoffs, it's not ultimately that successful, is it? We can right. have a great right. first two thirds of the season and then shit the bed in the end, and it's it's not it good. Doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So, and that's why if, if you looked at last year, around this point in time, we were doing okay during the season, yep. and we knew we needed to get guys that were mentally tough, guys that were strong enough, and that were resilient enough, and that would depend on each other and not just on themselves. And that's not a knock on last year's group, no. But it was a group that we inherited. Now we've built a group that we think sees a little bit more along the way that we see things as a staff. And I believe that we're, we're reaping the benefits of that. Do you see that continuing as the years go forward? I think that would be a strength of the organization. And I think it's been a strength of organizations in this league, I think in any league. But if you look at this league, Omaha under Jay Mims was pretty good because they had Jay Mims for a few years. Yeah. Greenville's been pretty successful year in and year out because Harksy's been there for a while. Yeah. So Richmond as well. Yeah. Correct. So when you yeah. look at that, that continuity from the right. top down and the way that bleeds down through the mentality of the coach or the sporting director or whoever's leading the group, I think that that's vital. Right. I so talk. if you guys would pass that on to the ownership yeah. group, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, 
We'll do what we can. I, it did. It did sound like when when Co- when when Connor was uh, when Connor Kalea was on uh, Rob's show talking flock that he kind of said that he at least the other day last week I should say said that he that he still feels like Matt's kind of like the the way forward and and the coaching staff that's here now have seen you know arguably better success than than at least like where we're at in a season. But I think as far as ethos is concerned, they're bought in. Uh, so that's encouraging, at least from a fan perspective, because I think fans generally, yes, we, we want the team to win, but we also kind of want the team and the club to win the right way. And I want to get back to that because a lot of what you just talked about was very uh, heavy in philosophy and on trying to bring in good players and I know you are a, a major proponent of tactical periodization. I want to talk about that tonight because we didn't really get into that too much the last time we had you on. And it is a, an approach to coaching and an approach to playing as a team that fascinates me. Um, but I want to, real quick before we get into that, I want to talk, uh, because it was the, the major news today, the big news out of the club, signing of uh, Pierre De Silva. So Pierre's got 100 appearances in the championship, 11 goals, 13 assists there. Um, was once listed as one of the top 20 under 20 prospects in USL. What can we expect from him? He is a very good attacking player, and he's a versatile attacking player. And the last couple months as we've been looking to fill out the roster, uh, we needed guys that could play in multiple positions because we knew we weren't going to be able to go out and get another four or five guys. But could we go get another two guys that yeah. could play in four or five positions total between them so that we'd have good cover on the team as we went through to the, for the final push into the playoffs and hopefully deep into the playoffs? So what do we see from him? We see him being able to, to give us some flexibility in our attack. He can play in almost any attacking role. I, I think his best role is probably as an underneath forward. In our system, the way we play 3-4-3, it would be those two inside forwards or those underneath guys. Um, I think that would be one of his best roles. But he's played as a winger. He's played as a wing back. He's played as a center midfielder. He's played as a striker. And and we didn't want to go get somebody that we thought could play those positions. We wanted to go get somebody that has played in those positions. And so he brings experience in those positions, and we know that we can use him in that way. Mm. And that's a big deal. Interesting. So very versatile player who can play anywhere along that front line or play defensively yep. if you need him to. As a wing back, yeah. So he he sounds like a, a sort of dutiful player that mm-hmm. is happy to play wherever he's he's employed. Correct. But you see him as more of like not really a somebody who plays kind of right behind the, the strikers, but we don't we don't play like a proper like four four two people standing in position waiting for the ball to come to them. Is he a player that also probably will add to the goal scoring, but is more of like a distribution hold-up type player if we need him to be? He is. I don't think he's so much a hold-up player as he is a distribution player, Mm. and he has some goals in him. One thing we noticed while he was on trial with us for a couple weeks was the fact that he could put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. And the fact that, that we can have four, five, six guys on the team that can contribute in that way, I think is an important aspect absolutely was he playing in that uh in that game we had against atlante he was not he was not no he was not cool well let's get into 
tactical periodization. Cool stuff. Very so, interesting that this is what this, that you want to talk about this. You mentioned it last time I was here. Yeah, I, I mean, I, we're I've, a bunch of nerds. I read up on it like before the last time we hit, we and talked. we still went three hours. Yeah, but <laughs> the interesting thing to me is like when you do research on tactical periodization, one of the main coaches that or managers that it like brings up is Jose Mourinho. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, who, it's a lot of the Portuguese managers. It, like, it's like where it kind of came them, from. Yeah, the Andre Villas-Boas. Roots. And my guy at Fulham, Marco Silva. Right. I mean, yep. you know, and so... So it seems to me like a very holistic approach to the game and to training especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely fits with, like, you know, the, the very, like, Dutch-originated total football mentality, but takes it to a new level, even as far as training goes... Uh, but I want to hear instead of me explaining it half-assedly because I know that you've done like l- legit research and employed it, and I think you were talking like we mentioned last time. I think you were working on your masters for it. So why don't we hear it from you instead of some uh, fucking half-assed jamoke trying to explain it like <laughs> like I would? I'm not sure I'm any more than a half-assed jamoke. <laughs> You've at least studied it enough. And I'm, yeah. and I'm not even sure what a half-assed jamoke is. But you're a full-assed In a nutshell, what tactical periodization is, first of all, the Victor Fraud is the creator of tactical periodization. And he was a professor um, at the University of Porto. But he also worked for Porto, mm. for the club. Yeah. Which is why it's connected to a lot of Portuguese coaches, in particular Jose Mourinho, because they were there and crossed paths at, at, for, Porto, yeah. at Porto for yeah. quite a long time. Yeah. As well as Via Boish. And, he, and, and he, had, he had Silva and Via Boish on the staff too. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. correct. Yeah. So it, all these guys have been affected. A lot of Portuguese coaches have come under the influence of Victor Fraud. But really what it's about is looking at the game holistically and trying to impart your game idea, your way of seeing the game into the players. And when you understand that the game is an emotional thing and it doesn't just take place on a physical level, but it takes place on an emotional level, it takes place on a cognitive level, it takes place on also on a physical level. Right. All of these things together combined, when you study the science behind neuroscience, when you study the science behind physiology, when you study um, the science about how people learn, all these different things, when you start to put those ideas together, and, and this is what Victor Fraud did, is he created a methodology that allows you to have a team from day one play within a certain way and over time add more and more complexity because he looks at the game and he looks at a team environment as a complex dynamic system. And if you understand complex dynamic systems and chaos theory and all those things, which is important to understand if you want to use tactical periodization. Chaos theory in sports is such a huge thing. 100%. And so many things affect other things and people don't realize it. So we're all here together for the next hour, hour and a half, whatever we're here together for. But if I would have come in just having gotten news that my... XY, my mother had passed away. Or if you had come in and your wife had just said, hey, we're getting divorced. Or if yeah. you had come in and just had some kind of, this kind of information impacts you emotionally. Yeah. And that emotion impacts him and it impacts him and it yeah. impacts him and it impacts me. Ripple effect. And yeah. so if, if you don't look at the game through the lens of complexity and you look at it as a linear thing, 
then you're missing the boat on what's really happening with your team and what's really happening with the game. Is that is that part of the reason why the training changed, like was set up the way it was? Because like one of the things of that I, when I was reading about this was that like the old training method. This is how I was taught. It was that you would go and you would train, you know, you train your skills. And then you train, you do, you do cardio, and you know to train your endurance and everything, and then you'd end usually with like a scrimmage, mm-hmm. right? Everything has changed with tactical periodization because now it's becoming about like you're doing training aspects and you're doing training drills that you're using all of the aspects of football and how you would use those aspects within the game, within the training, and it's not and it's not like separated. It's it's all combined. Correct. You don't separate anything. Right. Everything has an influence on everything else. And you have, yeah. again, you have to understand the mind. You have to understand the body. You have to understand emotions to make all of that work. And that feeds into what you were just saying is that, like, everything from the outside, that, that's that's part of the equation, too. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's, yeah. a, it's a big part of the equation. So yeah. everything in the past was done on what can we do today physically? What can the team do today physically? Right. Whereas right. now with tactical periodization, it's not just a physical piece. In fact, you know what you can do 48 hours after a game. That's the right. easiest thing to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. But what does the mind do 48 hours after the game? Is the mind ready to make the decisions yeah. like it did in the game? Well, 48 hours after a game, it is not ready for that type of complexity. It's not ready to make that many decisions based on 11 v 11. But you still want to play and practice your game model, your principles of play. You just have to do it in a smaller subset. So do you use your three center backs and your two central midfielders versus two forwards and three midfielders and playing small-sided games? And then what type of fitness do you do within that? Because is it a day that you can go all out and do a high aerobic intensity, high intensity, uh, training session, or does it have to be a short session where the bouts based are... Based on where you are. Correct, right. based on where you are. So you have to take into account all these things. Where's the team emotionally after the game? Yeah. Have they yeah. recovered fully emotionally? Have they recovered fully physically? Have they recovered fully cognitively so that they can make the decisions? Because if you try to play long bouts of 11 v 11 on your first day back at training, even if you've had two days off, their minds aren't ready for it. No, That's what's so difficult about Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday games. Our players will be just about fully recovered after the game versus Richmond to play tomorrow night versus Chattanooga. But that will not be the case when we turn around and play again on Saturday. They won't be emotionally ready. They won't be physically ready. They won't be cognitively ready. So we have to try to find a way to make it work. And that's why sometimes people will say, why did you play that way today? Why did you do this? Or why did you make that change? It's because they don't understand yeah. the nuances right. of the science behind well, those areas. And it, and it sounds to me, too, like you're mentioning the science aspect. But there's also what sounds to me like there's a heavy philosophy aspect to this. For which sure. Which is like, you know, you think about like, you know, with Krishnamurti, who was talk, who would, you know, talk about, you know, the, you know, the awakening of intelligence. He was talking about how if when you wake up and you, you have to gauge where you are for the day. And if you like, he says, if I wake up and I, and I and I haven't slept well and I don't do yoga, then that's that's what happens. That's where I'm at. He's like, you have to like to just take everything where it is for that day, and then you move forward. He's like, that's how you really achieve progress, is by accepting where you are in that place, and then moving forward however you can in that place. 
now multiply that by 22 people. Exactly, exactly. And now yeah. you start to get a feel yeah. for the That's dynamic cool, involved. That's super in, cool. Yeah. It's, it, it was really interesting, the, the 18 months of study that went yeah. into that and the, and so the paper that I wrote. Who's the guy that invented this, you said? Victor Fraud, F-R-A-D-E. So I have to believe that he, he had a heavy philosophy background he did yeah he did and he believes that that's important to understand too like a lot of the stuff that we read was philosophical a yeah. lot of stuff that we read yeah. was about brain science a lot of the yeah. stuff that we read had to do with psychology and Very emotional cool. and it, cool. it was it was really neat because it is such a holistic way yeah. of looking at yeah. it and yeah. i've been very lucky when i took the course because of the time difference between here and, and porto portugal i was taking the course in the afternoon on zoom while the rest of the coaching staff was in the background working. And sometimes I had my headset on doing it so they didn't hear anything, but many times I didn't have my headset on and they were listening to the conversations. Yeah. And they found it very- By in. osmosis. <laughs> so, so they say, I'm getting the masters in it, but they, they deserve a certificate in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, have a minor, they have a minor in it. Yeah. But it's been great because it has, without me having to convince them that it is the way forward, Matt has said, listen, you understand this and this makes sense to you, so help guide us through this process. Yeah. And that's what I was with going to ask as well. Obviously, there's more tactical fluidity. You know, you're not so set in playing with the back three as you were last year. And I was going to say, was that a reason why, like having that flexibility so you know, like, okay, 48 hours after this game, they can't do this style, so we have to go with a different style. Was that something that you and Matt were able to kind of establish? Yes. Yeah, we had to be able to, we still play principally centered, so it's based on principles, but the shape of the team or yeah. who we select sometimes for the team has more to do with that than anything else. Where the so, vibe is. Correct. Yeah. Where the vibe is, which players are, are ready in a certain way, maybe yeah. not just physically, but again, emotionally. Yeah. You have to understand that we've got players that are young and have never left their countries before yeah. right? and are all of a sudden thrown into this and they're like, holy shit, this is completely different. Right. Yeah. They have family and significant others and other people back back, back still there. Correct. You know, so. Correct. Aiden's, Aiden's family's still back in London. Yeah. They just came and visited last week. Yeah, we met them. They were great. <laughs> Jaden's family he hasn't seen until last week. He hadn't seen since yeah. he came in preseason. Baby girls here, like, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So all these things play a role. So sometimes when guys come in and they're all frowny-faced, it's not because they're pissed off at the game or their teammates. It's because life, life has gotten in the way. Yeah. But you have to understand as a coach, what can this guy handle today? Yeah. Can he handle this? Do we need to, to take him out of pieces of training? Can we get, because at the end of the day, what's most important is the collective. Right. But can we incorporate them? And how much can we incorporate the individuals into the collective and create this this way of playing and this way of being together it's a cultural thing that that we want to we want to act a certain way we want to be a certain way yeah. we want to play a certain way and then the other thing i was wondering with obviously there's kind of the tactical and technical aspect when you go into it plus the physical and whatever mm -hmm. when you're starting from preseason for example as if solely focused obviously with all of them still being trained at the same time is there one time where you're leaning more towards the tactical aspect. Is there another time that you're leaning towards the technical when you're trying to start it from the beginning or trying to explain it to a player and like and the training process? All those things are incorporated from the very beginning in every session, every exercise. What's different is that early on, we're working more on macro principles, okay. big ideas. Um, so I'll give you an example. Um, in our ideas of attacking, we wanna go forward first. 
Now, it's not always on to go forward first, but if you have an option between playing forward or playing laterally and they're both valid options, we want to go forward first. If we were to lose the ball on that pass, we want to have an immediate reaction to transition. Those are very general principles, but that's how we started. If once we transition immediately to defending, we can't win the ball back immediately, then our first principle in defense is compaction. So if you look at us defend, front to back, we're very tight. Side to side, we're very tight. Those are macro principles that we worked on at the very beginning. Mm. Once we win the ball back, the first thing we think was important was to secure the ball. Yeah. So we're not necessarily a yeah. great counterattacking team. We can score goals on the counter, but it's because we've secured the ball and that's important to us. And from there, we've built on that. So for example, if you take the principles of forward first in attack, we would start to have sub-principles under that as the weeks go along. So we might say, okay, we're starting to get the idea of when we get it, can we go forward? Now, with that idea of going forward, we have to start thinking, if the ball's uncovered, meaning the guy that has the ball, isn't being marked and he's free to play, then we have to get runs in behind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So those become right. some pr sub-principles of yeah. our macro attacking principles of forward first. So to answer your question, it's not do we start off technical, then we go tactical, then we... It's still all oh, those things ball. together. Yeah. But it's the big principles early, and then it's kind of grinding down mm. within those big principles, and that is based on your context. Okay. Because we could say we want to go forward first, and we want to do it in this particular way, but we may not have the players to be able to do it in that way. So we have to find another way of doing it. Mm. So some teams might take forward first to be very direct back to front. Mm. Other teams might take forward first to mean let's play into the midfield line, let's set it back, let's play forward again. More like the style of, of uh, Klopp's Liverpool or his Dortmund teams where they were very rock and roll football, but it was up, back, through, up, back, through. It was very quick, but it was forward, very progressive. Yeah. You just have different types yeah. of players, but can you get them to see your macro ideas and way of playing and then use their individual mm. skill sets to grind down to the micro principles and the smaller sub principles into how you're going to do that? Yeah. Okay. Make so sense? That, yeah. It's so fucking wild that this is going on in third division in the U.S. <laughs> I, I mean, isn't it, isn't it wild? The, like, the game's come a long way. I, but, yeah. but, but, I, but I think that, that that speaks to... I love it. I think that that speaks to like what we've always wanted is that we've wanted, you know, I think for American football to, to get to the level that we've all, that those of us that have been involved with it for a long time, to get to the level that we've always felt it could get to, there needed to be a change. And I think that, you know, especially with how we approach things in this country, you know, with very much a lot of everything is the, is the complete package. It's not just like one thing. And so... This is this this is a style of football that would work here, and so and I think you're starting to see that, especially with some of the youth players that are, you know, hitting the national teams and everything like that. I don't. I they're, don't they're going. Be, they're going beyond like. That's what you, I'm saying. They're going beyond like just the national team. They're going like and playing for some of the biggest clubs. Like, Hubie's team is starting two of our players right now. I, I mean, think, it, I think it, that's like, the big thing here is that like that people getting at a young age because most of our players that play for the squad are, are pretty young mm -hmm. um they're getting trained uh, at a level where they're getting the macro training first right introducing these concepts right how openly do you talk about the approach i mean the methodology of yeah. tactical periodization i never mention it 
Really? <laughs> Never discuss so just them. Like learning you just do it. Stuff. You, you just, just do it. Do it. Yeah. You just do it. There's no need for them to know what the methodology is behind it, what right. the process is. What's important for them to know and understand are the principles. Yeah, yeah. And the ideas behind that. Yeah. What? When do we do this? Why yeah. do we do this? And as a collective group, this is what we're trying to achieve. But as subgroups, as the three strikers, what do they need to do as a subgroup? What they call in tactical periodization, a fractal of the team. Right. Or the midfielders and the strikers together yeah. as a fractal of a team, an intersectorial frac fractal of the team. Right. You can train the sides of the team. You can train groups like the lines. You can train the collective. And all of that is dependent on where they are cognitively in terms yeah. of their recovery from the last game. So what can they do? What can they handle? How many decisions can they make and how quickly? Yeah. Where they are physically, where they are emotionally after a game, because you spend all of oh, this yeah. energy yeah. in all of yeah. those areas. Absolutely. So that's why it's such a holistic methodology. Right. Yeah. And then the idea of what we talked about, the macro principles, is just complex progression. US soccer, when they talk about that, talk about it within the context of a session. So they want you to start simple and get more complex as the session goes mm -hmm. along. Tactical periodization doesn't just look at it as an individual session. Mm -hmm. They look at it as the team's lifespan from the beginning of the season to the end. Yeah. Can we start with these big ideas yeah. and then have sub-principles to how to make these big ideas work based on the context you're working in at that moment? That's super cool. So I mean, really cool. And you've talked a lot about like how you've employed that within the club now. And so I guess the next question I have is like, how do you feel tactical periodization will continue to change the game of football? And how do you think it, like, how do you think it's changed already? Um, I think you see more and more coaches that understand tactical periodization and that methodology working throughout the world. It used to be something, if you looked 20, 25 years ago, was pretty pretty much confined to Portugal, Yeah, started to seep throughout Europe, and now it is starting to seep throughout the world. In fact, the reserve team coach for Charlotte in, in MLS, so yeah. Charlotte 2's team, is run by a coach who's from Portugal that knows and understands tactical periodization. Yeah. And he has hired two Portuguese guys on his staff, but he's also hired two American guys on his staff which by osmosis, those guys yeah, will start to learn, learn the yeah. understanding of it. They don't need a formal education in it because they're living it every single day, yeah. um, which I haven't, I wasn't lucky enough. I never worked with a coach that really, really understood it. Everything I read about it, which originally was through Mourinho and his success, then led to me getting on the internet and trying yeah. to find as much information as I could until I realized I could reach out to Victor Fraud, somebody knew somebody who knew somebody. Right. And when I spoke to him, he said, we have a course through the university and through myself where you can do your master's work if you're interested in doing yeah. it. And you'd have to come here for a bit, but you can do most of it online. How long um, did you a go trip to, to Porto? That sounds terrible. I'm going to say, like, so how long did you have to go to Porto? Uh, I was there for 10 days. I will go back there um, how, how again. How do I get but, involved in this? So I can <laughs> <laughs> but what was interesting was, and this was by sheer luck, one of our... Um, I guess guest lecturers, one of our lecturers on the course was Carlos Carvajal, who had been coaching Sporting Braga, hmm. left Braga, and the day, second day that we were there, took the job at Real Betis. So his first three days on the job 
we got to cross the border and go into Betis, watch him train his team, his macro principles, and how he yeah. wanted to start from the very beginning with his team understanding his way of playing. And then we saw his opening game, which was against... When was uh, this? Osasuna. They lost uh, 2-1 to Osasuna. And he, at that time, they were in the relegation zone. On, um, on the last day of the season, they needed... Just to secure it, it, it would depend on other results, but they needed to beat Barcelona. They ended up beating Barcelona on the last day. Oh. Um, and Which then, year and was finished this? this year. Finished, fin- finished mid-table last season. Yeah, Wanted to dip into the transfer market to get yeah. some more players that fit his game idea. Yeah. Because you could see last year, having studied him because he was a lecturer and studying the way his teams played, I could see he wasn't playing exactly the way he had at Braga. Now, you're never going to be exactly like that, right. but it was, it was fairly different. Yeah, and he wanted to get some different players that fit the way he wanted to play. And Real Betis said, "No, we don't want to spend any money right now." And so he walked. So he's actually he's actually gone, and we'll see where he ends up next. I was going to say because I, I followed a little bit of uh, Hector Bellerin going back to mm-hmm. Betis, and he very much came up under Wenger, who not a tactical periodization kind of guy, but a very cerebral manager and very holistic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's fascinating, you know, that we have this level of coaching and it's training young players to think more cerebrally, to learn progressively as the season progresses. Um, I'm kind of wondering from your perspective, knowing that you have a more holistic approach to the game, um, in your opinion, what are the... the, uh, And I know, like, in this team, everybody does everything, but... If you are a coach recruiting players right now, um, what are the top three qualities in an attacker or a striker versus the top three in a defender that you would look for? I mean, there would there would be some technical qualities that would be different. So, for example, in the defender, we would want a guy who was really good 1v1 defending and was strong in the air because of the way this league plays. Sure. Yeah. Um, versus a striker where... Again, when you say attacking player, it would depend positionally. So, yeah. And it would depend on how you like to play. Do we want a jinky winger that can take guys on 1v1? Do we want guys that are really good combining in the front three? Yeah. Um, so the qualities would be different there. But I think more importantly are the psychological qualities. Yeah. Because if they are open-minded, or I, let me take it the other way, if they're a person that was of a fixed mindset, and when we were recruiting players this year, we actually sent out questionnaires that yeah. allowed us to determine whether okay. guys were more growth mindset versus fixed mindset, mm-hmm. we were looking for guys that were growth mindset oriented, guys that were willing to listen and learn, because we already knew they were gonna come in with certain habits. And right. that's okay, but can they pick up, are they open enough to pick up other habits so that they can play collectively with others yeah can we get guys that can play nice in the sandbox that's what was important to us yeah so that is really the most important thing we looked for when you talk about recruiting does let me ask you a question does matt get it the the growth versus fixed mindset is is something that matt brought in it sounds like correct did he actually get that from carol dweck like the educator who, who came up with the original sort of like psychology, psychological like research around that? I would imagine because yeah. we talked about her a lot in the off season. Like we, we brought up her name. I brought, yeah. I brought the book in which sits on my shelf so yeah. that we could kind of page through her, it. And, her books and, are right, right below you over there. It's over there. Yeah, like down the road. Yeah. So yeah. it's, I mean, it, it's, I got it too. 
<laughs> it's something that if you live in the environment we live in, mm-hmm. it's important that our business, when it comes down to it, really is a selfless business. Yeah, You have to be willing to give up a little piece of yourself. Absolutely. And that's not in every single sport because in individual sports, that's not necessarily the case. In a sport like basketball, that's not necessarily the case because you can have two or three superstar players that can dominate because it's 5v5. But in a game of 11v11, it's very difficult for one guy to master it to a point of being able to dominate that way. Now, has Lionel Messi in his first four or five games been able to dominate MLS? Yes. (laughs) I think so. But but number one, he's a freak and the best player in the world. Number two... Perhaps the greatest of all time. And number two, MLS hasn't yet adapted to him. They haven't played him enough yet to understand what they can do to negate all of his strengths. I want to ask you a question about that. How much of this do you feel is like what you could attribute to the Messi effect? Where these guys are so just kind of like enamored by like the fact that they're playing with the great against the greatest ever that they're just kind of like step out of his way step out of his way and just kind of like lose their minds for like and and so in what you're saying leading to once they get past that are we going to see a regression because he's just scoring at will right now and so are we going to are we going to see a regression do you understand what I'm asking you 100% and I do believe that he will be probably for as long as he's in the league the best player in the league yeah but will he be the dominant force that he is right now where he can literally take over the match for in certain moments and win them in those moments, I don't know that it's going to happen as often as it does now. Yeah. I think it's, for me, I, when I think about that, I don't think it's because of anything like mentally. I think mentally he would know exactly where he needs to go. I think physically is where it's going to catch up to him <laughs> just because it's one thing to go around Spain and then France and even Europe in general, but now when you're flying from Miami up to New York and then you play a game there in a tiny-ass baseball field, and then have to fly all the way to Colorado. You're in or the elevation. Or fucking Seattle. And he's, or Seattle. He's flying or, or Vancouver. He's, right. he's flying economy with the rest of his teammates. Right. I think the Finns. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, they took a picture. <laughs> no, he's not. Of, they took a picture of it. There was a picture like a not every flight, but, but even even if he were, one of the things that having spent ten years in MLS, one of the things that the foreign players find most difficult to adjust to is the travel and the different yeah. climate. Yeah. So you could be playing in, for example... The space exam- of the travel of the country. You can be yeah. at altitude in Colorado on a Wednesday night game and then have to fly down to Orlando to play in a swampy, moist, thunderstorm in the afternoon place on a Saturday afternoon and then fly cross-country again the next week and go play in L.A. where it's dry heat and you've yep. got to deal with a little bit of the pollution and the yep. you know all yep. of those things take a toll because he could fly in a Champions League game from the south of Spain to the northernmost part of Europe and not have to spend as much time as he does on a flight if he's tr- if he's traveling right. from Red Bull to the Galaxy. Well, I was going to say, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard both said that yes. as yeah. well. Yeah, so many of the international players, even guys that, you know, we had a kid named Oreo Roselle, um, who was a Barca B player and had a couple caps with or had a couple games with Barca's first team that we had in Kansas City. Yeah. And I remember we took a trip from Kansas City to Portland um, can't remember the days, but I, it was a midweek game in Portland and then had to turn around and go to the East Coast. I can't remember if it was D.C. or New York to play four days later, three days later. 
We're flying back from Portland, having won the game. We're on the flight for two hours, two and a half hours, and, and Udi is sitting kind of diagonally in front of me on the flight. And he turns around and he looks at me and goes, hey, profe, we almost there? And I said, open your window. So he opens his window. I said, look outside. He looks down. I said, that's Kansas City, brother. We still got another two and a half hours before we're <laughs> yeah. there. No. And he looks at me and he's like, no mames, profe. Like, what are you, fucking joking me? Yeah. But that's, they, they have no idea that, of being in a plane five hours to go to a game, four hours, three and a half hours. It doesn't happen. I mean, like right. that, that tripped me out so much when I lived in England because the first time I was there, um, I remember Fulham had a game down in, in France. Mm -hmm. And my buddy's like, are we going this weekend? And I was like, I, yeah, they're in France. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, it's three hours by train. Mm -hmm. I'm like, three hours and we're in France. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I, I, it blew my mind. And so that, that's when it, those mo that really hit me. I'm like, the United States is a huge country. Huge. It's huge. And, and, and like they, the landmass. Like you see these maps. Like when we grow up, and like the like those atlas maps are never accurate right. because like you know <laughs> Russia's the size of like and Russia's a huge country. Too. Yeah. So it's just. I, I appreciate you saying that, like, yeah, that it, that, that this is that the travel is one of the, one of the biggest things with like the the American the American game. And, and yeah. people don't understand it because you know I've heard people argue um, against that. People have argued with me and said, well, you know, Liverpool or Manchester United or Barcelona, they'll take a tour to Australia or they'll take a tour to Singapore. They've been yeah, on seven flights that guys. I mean, hey. They've done it once right. in a year. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have to do that repeatedly, week right. in and week out, and go play in right. altitude, and, and then go play in swampy heat, and then go play season. in dry heat. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's a completely different animal. And, those, and when you do that week in and week out, week in and week out, week in and week out, over 10 months, yeah. that takes a toll on you physically. Yeah. And, those, and those games that they're doing on these tours aren't competitive games. They don't mean anything to, right. to your record. There's like, no pressure. Right. So... The last thing I think I want to ask you, John, is there was a moment I noticed this when I was watching on the broadcast. Um, Jaden scores mm -hmm. first goal, first USL league goal for us, um, first goal for the club. Mm -hmm. Yeah, second goal for the club. Well, first league, goal. first, first league. league goal. For well, the club. you said you said yeah. that. So, so I noticed right away that you were kind of like taking a moment to kind of talk to him, just kind of personally, you know, without like crossing the line. Of what's personal between you and Jaden? What were you kind of? What were you saying to him? That I was proud of him. Yeah. He he's gone through a tough time here, as I said earlier, adjusting without his family. He's a young man that doesn't have his child with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, because which he is had, tough. Which, which is, is tough. which is really hard. I, I spent a year in Oklahoma City without my family. I've got four kids. Why? Yeah, you no, know, I've you been guys. There too, man. Yeah. And and it's not an easy thing to do. Um, and he wasn't feeling great late last week and was debating whether to take the trip or not and i had talked like to physically him, like sick physically sick yeah, yeah yeah um and and you don't know if that is an emotional piece you don't know if that's literally sick because he had something bad to eat you don't know but he wasn't feeling well and you could see it in him on on thursday and friday um and i spoke to him then and i said listen worst case scenario go you're with the group we'll take good care of you while you're there would you prefer to be here by yourself or with the group when you're not feeling well yeah. so he took the trip and when he came over he initiated it and he had said thanks for convincing me to come because I've now got my first goal for the club yeah. and you know we were talking about tactical periodization before to me that is part of tactical periodization yeah. because yeah. there is an emotional Bingo. piece yeah. 
where you're trying to instill a certain type of mentality and culture within the group and it's because of those interpersonal relationships that you build one-on-one -on -one with the players and that Matt builds one-on-one -on -one with the players and Neil and Jim and Connor yeah. and everybody that we collectively know we have one another's back and that's what that discussion was about in a nutshell. Yeah. So great. I didn't know that it was my wife that told me that got caught on TV because my that's Listen, beautiful, man. I go home and I talk to my wife. She knows what happens with a yeah, lot of yeah. the players. Yeah. You, you know, they're... She's plugged I, in. She's plugged yeah, in. Yeah. She, she knows exactly yeah. what's happened. I've been married to her 31 years. She's the best sounding board I've ever she's had. Great. So and she's great, by the way, yeah, too. Thanks. So. Um, but it's interesting that you noticed and that people noticed because it was, I think, for him, a very heartfelt moment. I know for me it was. Yeah. I know for me it was. He texted yeah. me after the game saying, like, hey, bro... That was for the missed penalty from last week. I'm like, bro, I'm like, I'm like don't even worry about it. I'm like, it's one under the bridge at this point, bro. People um, don't realize how much that affected him oh, because yeah. he had convinced Cheney to take it. For uh, him yeah. to take it because he was dying for his first goal. And yeah. he thought, what better chance than and with the penalty? That, that says something to Cheney, too, that like he let him have it. 100%. You know? Again, and we so. talked about earlier, we said, you know, people call it a buzzword. We talk about selfless. Yeah. Yeah. What Cheney did by not fighting with him and arguing with him and awesome. leaving him in a good place of uh, awesome. with his mind, peace yeah. of mind, and just saying, here, take it. Yeah. Because Cheney's on one at that point. Yeah. Like, he's on a goal Correct. at that point. Correct. He you gets know? a and chance so. to get two on the night. Yeah. But I think he understood the bigger picture as well. Cheney gets it. He gets, he gets it. it. For sure yeah. he gets it. And yeah. and so for Jaden to then dude. miss that, I think, crushed him. You could see it in him. It wouldn't surprise me if part of, if part of his physical illness last week was based on yeah. how emotionally distraught he was after missing that penalty. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. But I know that the guys were there for him and the coaching staff was there for him and he relied on us that he got on that plane or relied on us enough that he got on that plane. Then he scores the goal. We end up it ends up being the winning goal. Yeah. Yeah. And you could see it in his face. The celebration you could feel it. in front of the Red Army. Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The beer. See, I was <laughs> Derek, watching Derek that. doing the heart yeah. and then like, you know, I asked that cuz I asked Derek. I said, "What were you doing?" He's like, "I gave him the heart." And I said, he goes, then I blew him a kiss because they were giving us all the finger. <laughs> so, I'm just like, yes, yeah. man. And I'm that's like, why it's such a great place to play. Yeah. Because they're yeah. a fan. It's, it's a care. little bit like our place. They yeah. don't have quite as many fans as we do. I don't think they're quite as passionate as our fans are. Right. But it's one of the few places that has a lot of fans that yeah. care. They, yeah. 40, they had know? over 4,300 people there. Yeah. It was yeah. neat. That's it was good, really good. good and I played there as a player 100 years ago. So it was cool for me <laughs> to go back into that same stadium. Yeah. And, and winning, I like I love winning Win games there. Yeah, and I love beating guys that used to be players that played for me or coaches yeah. that I've been friends with. Like you love those games. Yeah, and 100%. you hate losing those games. <laughs> yeah. So we've got another match tomorrow. Tomorrow. And another one on Saturday. Which you won't be at. I won't be at that. I'll be at my brother's wedding. He's very rude scheduling it on top of a Ford Madison match. Continues day. the douche. Yeah, that he well, is. Well, you know, like what the, what this me, is Nick. is what this is. Oh, he's definitely not listening. Uh, but but you know, like I, I think I mean it's my wedding gift to him, right? That you that, show that, up. that you show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think <laughs> No, I, I I love my brother. That's a great that's gift. Why that's why I'll be at his wedding. Um, over at San Damiano. I didn't know that there was actually like a park over there, like a public park. They made it into a public park. Oh, no shit. So yeah. it's an outdoor wedding? Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. That was a gamble cool. on a week on the summer. Yep. yep. We'll see how it goes. Uh, either way, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Uh, we'll pack the ponchos. Uh, I'll say that much. But what do you guys? Uh, I mean, obviously, we're gonna win both games. I mean, quite quite obviously, we're the co- one of the coaches here. Uh, no, but um, Chattanooga, Knoxville, uh, could be tough games. Could, could be. be. I mean, like we've said, will we'll be will be tough games, not could be tough games, and, uh, I, and I'll explain every, why in a minute. Every single game in this league is tough. Yeah, one hundred percent. There's so much parity in this league this this season, even, especially, even, and I'm I kind of enjoy it. I hundred percent agree. Hundred percent. It's I mean, not a two. It's not a two team league. You know, there is so much parity between, especially between like the playoff places at this point. Uh, I think but, that's one of the problems, though. That like. I've seen with like a lot of the fans, both here and just American fans in general, is that they they you know they want a clear winner. Is that they see because oftentimes they come to this sport because they're fans over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And so there's a very clear delineation between the top teams, like in most le- the top leagues in Europe, between like it's usually it's it, or any league. The line is yeah. like the top ten. Mm-hmm. Like from the top ten down, it's like there's a big delineation between the quality of the clubs. So I think a lot of fans see teams at the bottom here and think it's the same thing. When the reality is, is that this is just like any other American sport, where like the parity that exists within the sport, the best American sports are the ones that have parity throughout the, their With, league. Without getting too philosophical and spreading it wide to multiple sports, I want to hear John's. Uh, reasoning be- behind why these two games specifically are not going to be easy games. One, it's it's a three-game week. So yeah. when we talked about yeah. the complexity idea, the the amount of um, decisions, the cognitive fatigue, the emotional fatigue, the physical fatigue that's involved in those games, it's not it's not going to be easy. Um, we're a little bit lucky that we don't have to travel for the second and the third game. Yeah. Um, so that works a little bit in our favor. It's nice. It's nice. Um, one of the reasons why it won't be an easy game against Chattanooga is because Chattanooga is very, very good in the transition to attacking phase of the game. And we are quite good in the attacking organization moment of the game. So it could work out where we might have more of the ball in their half, but that's how they like it because they like the space behind our back line to be able to counter Mm -hmm. into. And we have to be very, very aware of that space and our rest defense or our defensive balance or whatever you want to call it when we're in possession of the ball to make sure that we're closing down spaces so that they can't counterattack. So that's why that one's going to be a difficult game. The other game that's going to be difficult is a Knoxville game because their system, their shape of their team is similar to ours. So they're not a... Um, man-to-man defensive team. They, they have a lot of zonal principles in their defending, but we will be matched up against their team in a way where wherever our players are, kind of their players are. Yeah. So we have to find the right spaces on the pitch at the right time. So do they, but that's why those two games will be very difficult. Mm. And Knoxville doesn't have a midweek game, I don't believe. No, they so, don't. So they go weekend to weekend. They're fresh. We'll have 48 hours to turn around and be ready to play the next game. If you're listening to this right now, uh, on Wednesday, before the Chattanooga game, you are a Patreon supporter. Thank you. Uh, Most of the folks getting this will not be listening until Friday. Uh, So Chattanooga fans, 
and and their coaching staff will not have a chance to you know adjust to John's words there unless they're a Patreon backer. <laughs> so this is why it pays to be a Patreon backer, Grant. This is, this is why you should pay like the five dollars a month. Yeah, that uh, Jimmy Ableda yeah. didn't pay it. Didn't He's pay out. It. He's out. Yeah, yeah. That's so amazing. Amazing. they just need they just need Bob Martino to get to get subscriptions for everyone. He's on gone. The, everyone on the coaching staff. Jimmy Weekly so might not be there. I don't know if he's back yet. He's not. So he's okay. so he's not. And and I didn't know how much this was public or not. But that's another reason why the Chattanooga game will be very difficult mm. because there isn't really a pattern for us to know right how they want to play or what they're going to do because they could be changing as we're speaking in terms of what's important to the guy that's taken over. Yeah. And so their way of playing, even their shape might be a little bit different than what we're expecting and that's mm. that's hard to prepare for because as we've spoken about, we're pretty anal yeah. about Preparation and being Pretty ready intense. and making sure that the players understand what to expect in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's very difficult when you play, just as it, it was when we played Central Valley the last time. It was the very first game for Adam Smith. And they had their new manager bounce and all that stuff Correct. going for him too. Correct. So and, and Adam I knew from the USL championship. Mm. Right. Because he How, coached for for Foxes, correct? Uh he coached for Fresno FC. Yep. Yeah. Um, but and so you have an idea of what he values, but how is he going to use that with his team, his new team? So you didn't really know exactly what to expect. I had an right. idea it would be four four two. We had an idea that it would be fairly direct. We had an idea that it would be aggressive, but we weren't sure. Yeah, right. you know, and we didn't know is he going to take this guy, this guy, and this guy out of the lineup who we're actually worried about, and put this guy, this guy, and this guy in that maybe we're not worried about him, but we yeah. have no fucking idea what those guys are going to do because we haven't been able to see any film on on them. Yeah. Well, the thing with Fuego is they were always defensively okay. It was just they couldn't score a goal. Yeah, and that I'm sure made it harder as well. It's like we don't, you don't know what no. system's going to be thrown out there for a team that was defensively fun enough. Yeah, right. And yeah. then they throw out Maximus Ek out there, and he immediately nearly scores. Yeah. Yeah, and then the next game did score. Yep. Yep. I think he scored in the two following games after that. Uh, I think. He did. Yeah. Uh, and then in that second game, I think he took a red card and got <laughs> sent off. So. <laughs> Chaos. Yeah, take the good with the bad, right? Enthusiasm. Yeah. Strikes and gutters, yeah. boys. Strikes, Strikes and gutters, gutters baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're at that point where we're rounding nearly 75 minutes. Uh, let's, let's round it out. Uh, you know what that means. Uh what have you been listening to? What have you been reading? What have you been watching? Uh, we're going to start over here with Kyle. You, right. you mentioned it earlier. What did you go see? Well, I did see the musical six, so that was pretty fun. It was It's a fun musical. I think it's not like your traditional one where there's an intermission and there's two parts. It was what, quick, easy. What's the premise of it? It's just about uh, Henry VIII's uh, six wives that he had. I don't want to give too much away, but it's just talk about like they give their perspective on it. it like I said, it's a fun show. It's like an hour and a half. And Melinda's got her time. I, oh yeah. You don't you don't want to give too much away, but all everyone should have learned this in their world history class. Yes. Well, I'm not, uh, that's why well, I made the England joke, Mitch. Well, come on. <laughs> so either way, so I saw that this past weekend. But the thing I'm listening to, uh, Jay Huss has a new album. It is beautiful and brutal yard. It's fantastic. I highly recommend listening to that. Otherwise, I finally finished the storyline of uh, the new Zelda game, so I have a lot more free time now to read something. Good deal. <laughs> Good deal. How about you, Grant? Um, I've been listening to... Um, I bought this album with Soph a couple weeks ago. 
uh, when she and I were at the record store. Um, two artists that you and I both love very, very much. Mm. L. Michael's Affair and Black Thought. Oh, yeah. Um, i trying to remember the name of the album. Uh, the Glorious Game? Yes. Yeah, The Glorious Game. Um, I bought that, and it's just... If you don't know what we're talking about, you can go to our page and see some of my former... It's like nearly too good. It's almost too good. It's like... So L. Michaels' affair is... Leon Michaels is the the main dude there. One of the main guys behind Big Crown Records. Right. And they've been they've been the backing band for the Wu-Tang Clan for the last... Four, Their tours four, that they've been yeah, on the live last band. last three, three, four years. And so, and, but he also has been doing numerous stuff with L. Michaels' affair and Lee, and Lee Fields. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous soul artist. And... Probably the Quincy Jones of our time right now. Probably. And, and so, but then he, he he links up with Black Thought from the Roots, who, in my in, if well, you he's the greatest of all time. If you ask me, I think he's he's, he's the goat. He's the goat. I think as far as the lyricist lyricists are concerned, he's as he's the best there is. And the way that this album just kind of goes with the way that he he you know. Michaels is able to use like his extreme like talent with like music and horns and everything, and then we've. It's like a Menahan Street Band it's meets so Kudos with I can't b- say it. with Black Thought rapping yeah. over the top. It's I, so good. I can't say enough about it. It's like you said. It's almost too good of an album. Yeah. So we're blessed to be able to have this in our time right now, and the greatest thing about it is that not a lot of people know about it. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it's not not okay. like. I mean, a big part of it is because, like, instrumental jazz and soul is, like, not, like, a huge, no. huge no. mark on pop music. No. But I think that's okay, that's too. That's probably the reason why I like it so much. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to check it out. Yeah. yeah. It's great. How about you, Mitch? I bought a digital TV antenna so that I could watch The prices Right every morning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> $1. I, I grew up watching The prices Right with my with my mom every morning. Um, That's and, perfect. And last week, I just started listening to prices Right music on YouTube just over and over. I do like, you know, not only the theme, but like the cues and all the, the, all the like, stuff. All, that, yeah. all so that stuff. If you have the digital antenna, I'll tell you this right now. Um, on Thursdays, from like eleven o'clock until five, they show reruns of MacGyver on H and I. Oh, okay. I actually that's one of those shows that I've never I've never seen. I I was fortunate enough uh, from uh, my um, from my uh, from where I'm at that I get Me TV, which is great. Me TV is great. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm I'm an old soul, as one of my friends says. That's so. where I watch the reruns of Barney Miller. I, I I grew up I grew up watching I I grew up watching uh, Andy Griffith's show and Green yeah. Acres with my mom as well so that kind of stuff is right up my alley so looking forward to it I have a digital antenna but it's in the TV upstairs and I only used it for the Bucks NBA Finals Hey we've been we've been on TVW like we've been on we get we got uh, five games this year. I oh. believe. Yeah, um, I used it like the one year. I think it was like 20. I, 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 I think we have a game coming up. I think one of them, I think the first one was an away game, and all the remaining ones, I think there were either th- two or four, okay. uh, were home games. That's mm-hmm. great. Then we're getting more local TV. Huh. Yeah, that's it's great. great. It's good. That's yeah. great. And it's great that they're doing the home games. One, for the f- fans who can't make yeah. it to the stadium. Two, so that they can see the environment and how awesome yeah, it is at absolutely. the stadium. I mean, Get it's, your asses down there. Yeah, because if yeah. you went and saw like a Charlotte game, 
us playing away at Charlotte when there's 22 people in Not the crowd. Not going to be appealing. And 18 of them are four. Are four <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Magnus and his family. Yeah. Right. yeah. How about you, John? Um, I think I told you last time I was here that I love to read. Yeah. Um, I like it for educational purposes. I also like to read at night because it helps me kind of wind down from the day because our day is so fast-paced. Yeah. It, 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 you know, I need something that helps calm me down. Um, so I'm in the middle of two books. I'm reading uh, a book called The Best, which um, is based on some scientific studies and then some anecdotal information about what separates the absolute best athletes in different sports mm. from merely great athletes. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, and, and so much of it is mental. You start to realize that so much of what separates them is psychological. And they can un and they can they're self-aware and that they can grasp and understand the moment and being able to keep their emotions in check during those moments. Um, the other book I'm reading is is called uh, Leadership Lessons from West Point, which is written by a bunch of high-ranking officers in the military. Really good read. It started off slow and dry, and I was wondering if I could stick with it, and I'm glad I did because it's, it's actually quite good, and it's gotten into, I'm actually in the middle of a chapter that talks about body language and how you use certain movements and body language to influence and impact people. Um, so those are the books I'm reading currently. I don't get a lot of time for TV because when I'm watching it, it's usually a video of a game or something. Yeah. Um, I am in the middle of the second season, and this is how far behind I am on life, uh, on the second se season of a show called Suits. Mm. Yeah. Good show. <laughs> My son, who is 21, was the one that said, you've never seen Suits? Yeah. You've got to watch that. <laughs> And I said, well, why are you so impressed by this show? And he said, uh, Meghan Markle. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, and I mean, she's obviously very cute. Um, however, the fact, I, I just and like the show. very famous. <laughs> I, I love the dynamic in that in that show. Um, and I, I like how they toe an ethical line, but they always seem to find a way to just pull back. You know, they're pushing the envelope a little bit, but they just yeah. pull back to the point where they're at least what appears to be on the right side of the line. Which yeah. is life. Which is life. And, right. and that's why I enjoy watching that show. So it, it's interesting. My my nights often end up winding down with an episode of that. Nice. And then my wife kind of looks at me and goes, you're going in the bedroom to read, aren't you? <laughs> yep. Yes, I am. Yes, ma'am. I take those two books with me, and I might get through five pages of one or ten pages of each. And then I wake up an hour later with the book on my chest, and I move Always it. Always a great feeling. Mm -hmm. I love yeah, that. Yeah, and just go back to bed, and, and that's it. So That's one of my um, favorite feelings in the world. Yeah. Up with a book on your chest. Yes, so. and just like right at that moment where you're going, going, yeah. gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what's going on. What about on. you, boss? So I just started reading uh, Michael Bungie Stanier's How to Work with uh, Almost Anyone. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a good book. Uh, just started the, the chapter on having keystone conversations. Like, look, I manage people at work, but I also like, you know, it, it doesn't... <laughs> I always kind of joke about like people that are managers at places oftentimes get sort of pigeonholed as like they're not doing the actual work, right. uh, but right. they they're having to constantly motivate and and push their teams to get exceptional outcomes. Right. Um, in my my opinion, a lot of the times it has to do with how willing people are to be a part of a team, and 
so far this book has been really good as far as like stressing the interpersonal relationships as the crucial part of any team being successful yeah. so i'm enjoying it so far uh as far as the non uh me trying to advance my my uh you know managerial acumen but mostly just relationships in general that that part's important to me more than anything i've been listening to just gets better with time an album by the whispers of all people so this record has so many good standout tracks on it uh la reed and leon f silvers both have produced tracks on this record so it's not that it's not album. i i gave grant two records of the whispers that i picked up uh over the weekend for a couple of bucks no it's not that one it's not that one it's the one with the hourglass on the front that's oh yes that's Uh, so that it has like rock steady and special effects and 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 i want you on it like but yeah anytime you come across la reed you know you're getting a funky track yep so great great album uh, I think it was, yeah, it was 1987. Um, it was just so, a clock's in just under, under an hour. It's almost like I think it has like eight singles on it. So, wait a minute. So, so, if that was in 1987, and like, so this is years after what you keep on loving just me, keep on loving me, which is when they were in their 40s, like they were like yeah, just turned 40. These guys right? were almost 50 years old, so they're almost point. 50 years old and recording this, yeah. Rocksteady was recorded when most of the guys in the in the, the yeah most of the guys in the Whispers were like 47, 48 years old, still killing it. All right, the piano player in the Whispers. Yeah, the piano player in the Whispers is he's he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're they're one of my all time favorite bands. Yeah, they're so, and they got one of the all time great videos of all time too. Oh yeah, yeah. Anytime you come across the whispers, you're you're in for a good funky jam and just like a super entertaining piece of, of entertainment. Agreed. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, thank you, John Pascarilla, so much for joining us tonight. Uh, always a pleasure to chat with you. Always informative, but also I feel like a lot of us learned something tonight about the tactics around this club. So cool. And the coaches' <laughs> approach yeah. to the game that's so much more holistic than just. You go out there and kick that ball. Uh, go so, run fast. <laughs> yeah. See ball, kick ball. Simple. <laughs> oh, you got a problem? Uh, talk to your mom. You got to play a game. Go no, get some orange slices. It's so cool that we consider the whole person a third division in, in a club that a lot of people in this town care about and a lot of people outside of it, too. And that, that mentality is going to fit well in this city, too. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah, you know, great to favorite, hear. You know, my favorite part about this, listening to this, is, is that it feels like we finally have an identity. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's what we're trying to create. Yeah, and I mean, not only an identity on the field, but an identity within the club and the way we exactly. we function as a team and the way all of our interactions within the group. Which, that's huge for us too, because as much as everything we've done with the flock and everything else has been about like what we can do in the game, like in. Like the the walls of Bree Stevens, a lot of a big piece for us is about like what we can do outside. Outside of it, of it. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so to now have this synergy coming with the club, and like the club's mission, and it all works great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you said you said thank you to me. I want to I want to thank you guys because it's thank you for having me first of all. For sure. Um, but thanks for caring, because if you didn't give a shit, this wouldn't we wouldn't be here. Right. If the club right. um, meant nothing to anyone. Uh, 
there'd be no reason to do what we do. Right. So thank you for caring and being a part of the bigger picture, and uh, and I really appreciate that. And thanks for taking the time to chat because I love talking the game. I'm yeah. gonna have you talk to my accountant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, John, thank you so much. Thank you guys for being here tonight, boys. Love uh, boys. Let's three points tomorrow and three on the weekend. Uh, let's do it, boys. Let's do it. Thank let's you. Go. And as Grant always says, be easy, everybody. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs> <laughs>